0: Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Bob Meissner. Alongside me is my beautiful wife, Audrey. And
1: I'm going to introduce Dr. Jim Richards out of Impact Ministries. He's a prolific author. He's profound, and he's got some great stuff to say to us. So we're glad you're our special guest.
2: Well, thank you. I'm
1: glad to be here. PS slash FYI, you are always our guest. (laughs) So it's no big shock to our listeners that we happen to have Dr. Jim Richards with us. But um, yeah, we're so thankful to you, our listeners, for joining us today. And we've been getting great responses from you. Thank you for sharing this with your friends. Thank you for posting it on social media. You know, really what we talked about last week was so important. And I felt like it was a real loving approach to how we can really be a voice of hope and of I keep calling them absolutes or non-negotiables because last week we talked about knowing the promise, but then now take the prescription.
0: Yeah, right, right. The, mm. we, we love the promise, but are we willing to follow the prescription? Yes. You know, that the promise might really become our reality. And I think there's a, a place in some people's lives where they feel, Boy, I'm not experiencing the promise like I thought I would, mm-hmm. and, and yet... They they begin to find that well maybe I'm not following the prescription the possibly the way I should.
1: So we're hoping today, Doctor Jim, that you will help us. You haven't said a word yet, have you? No, I'm just I'm, <laughs> I'm over
2: here in reflective uh and and reflective <laughs> land. I'm reflecting. I
1: love it. The land of reflection. Yes. Well, so today we're going to really talk about you know what the prescription is. Is are, do you think like we're ready? I think yep. we set a pretty good foundation. last yeah, I week. think I so think we can. Gonna...
0: And again, if people did miss it, please just go back and, yeah. and listen to the previous podcast. And and I think it'll be really help because we're just going to dive right in from, from where we left off last week.
2: Yep. You know, uh, and, and we, we kind of started this and I said, you know, this is this is so simplistic that most people will just groan with, oh, I know that. And, you know, uh, we think that what we can repeat, we know. and uh, And you know, intellectual knowledge of something is, is the first step to knowing because we we renew our minds with the, with the information, Mm -hmm. but you, but renewing your mind doesn't change your life. You know, it's when we believe something then in in our heart and we start by experiencing it. And that's really how it gets into our heart is when we experience it as real inside of us. So the, the incredibly simplistic answer is that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And so, and so what people don't know how to do is they don't know how to let Jesus be that. They don't know how for mm-hmm. Jesus to be the center, the cornerstone. You know, the thing about a cornerstone. A cornerstone holds all of the other pieces in place. All of the other bricks stay in place because of the cornerstone. And if you remove the cornerstone then then the foundation begins to crumble everything begins to crumble all that is all that is even true begins to crumble if it's not held together around the cornerstone so so the real challenge is okay it, it, okay Jesus is the answer to everything I, I understand that but what does that what does it really mean yeah really <laughs> what does it mean for him to be the way the truth and the life and so so that's kind of that's where we want to go to i think today and begin, you know, to discuss this because, because all of the answers are in Jesus, but our tendency to look at Jesus is a very shallow, really unscriptural way of viewing Jesus. You know, we just, we just view him as, as savior. And, and, and for a lot of people, that's even kind of an abstract concept. You know, he's going to get me to heaven when I die. And, uh, uh, but beyond that, honestly, I don't meet many Christians that know how to factor Jesus into their life. They haven't made him the cornerstone that holds everything together. They haven't made him the source of, of discerning truth. They haven't made him the source of the, of the way, the path that we always take to. And they really even haven't even made him the connection to life to true to true quality of life and so that's kind of where we want to go today
1: and I love the word that you emphasize there Is the word source you yep. know, He is the source of the best pathway for the life yep. For my life He is the source of being dis- having discernment And wisdom right. in my life Like all of these things are, are very important to me I feel very safe when there's a pathway in front of me Absolutely When it comes to my life and what I want And I know you listeners gotta feel the same way as me It's like I wanna know Of course I wanna make Jesus my Lord Of course I wanna know what it means to have him As the Jesus my way, my truth, and my life but is there some kind of a clear pathway ahead of me that's kind of well marked so yeah. that I when I'm not going to feel lost but I will feel very secure in this pathway
2: you know probably Here's my source yeah probably the the first segue into the functional aspect of this mm-hmm. and again when I say this people just groan and roll their eyes because they think they know what this means but the majority really do not. If you know, if 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 we're supposed to love God, love ourselves, and love our neighbors, and that's and that's what we're supposed to do, that means that every everything that we have to, everything we do, every decision we make, every way that we communicate, every way that we talk to ourselves—I mean, everything that we do has to be uh, has to be done in a way that expresses and reflects uh, holding ourselves, God, and other people. In high regard, in treating ourselves, God, and other people as if we are all precious. So, so we, we, we all know this in terminology, but we don't really know it in in life experience. So, so I have to understand that. And Jesus said this. He said, "Hang all the law and all the prophets on on this this thing. Love you know, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself." Now, He didn't say throw away all the law and the prophets. He said, "Hang all the law and the prophets on this." In other words, the 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 only way to properly understand everything God had set up to that point is when you interpret it from a perspective that contributes to the sense of value and worth and preciousness that you have for yourself, for God, and for your neighbor. So, it sounds like a simplistic answer, another simplistic answer. But every time, every time we take, every time we take a step toward understanding what it means for Jesus to be the cornerstone, it gets a little a little more complex. Now, application isn't complex, but sometimes the understanding is complex. So, So this means that really walking in love the way that Jesus defined love is in reality going to be the solution to every problem that I have. Mm-hmm. There, there's not, you know, Jesus Himself is the solution, but that, that, that the pres- the prescription for that solution is always going to be to walk in love.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's happening here is there's a, a huge unraveling, you know, that's taking place because the law is what came in and really complicated things. And made, made, uh, made it very uh, difficult and, and hard for people of, of wanting to know. And so what we want to do in, in this broadcast is to be able to really bring back the simple solutions that are really in Jesus and, and again, establishing him as the very cornerstone of our lives, because it's from there that all of the measurements are made. Yep. Everything comes right back to it. As as we establish and build our lives, every measurement, everything comes back to him being that very anchor and corner.
1: So when you say the law brought so much confusion, are you talking about when Jesus came on earth and every rabbi had a different yoke of what the law meant to them and 659 There were just rules. so...
0: There is was, that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 and I and I and I think that people were really. I mean,
1: they were trying to find their prescription.
0: Well, well let's let, let's say it this way. Yeah, let's see if okay. this, let's see if this fits.
1: Okay.
2: Because if we're not careful, how how we say this can take people down a lot of different paths. Yeah. It, it it there is a difference, and people don't get it because of the language issues, of translation issues. There is a very distinct difference between the law and legalism correct and the distinction is not what was said the distinction was the motive from which you apply it so in other words the law could be applied in a way in every case that would promote a sense of value in that person uh, you know, you are know, seeking to apply it to themselves or even seeking to discuss it with somebody else. Now, the thing that would determine that is, am I trying to control somebody? Am I trying to judge somebody? Am I putting people under the burden of trying to earn something? God, see, and those are the factors that make it legalism. Motive is yes. motive is what turns any truth into legalism, and it's not just the Old Testament commandments that can be turned into mm. legalism. You can take what Jesus taught, you can take what Paul taught, you can turn it all into legalism. The moment it's applied from a corrupt motive, and that is,
1: so, you know, I've when, never when heard you your,
0: step out of love,
1: and I've yeah. And you know what? I've never heard you say it in those words before, yeah. but that is so profound. Like motive can turn anything into legalism. And that's so true in parenting and even in our marriages. Well, anything, a- anything. Anything
2: healthy. So so it's, it's really not—maybe the, maybe the broader way to say this so that people don't dive into confusion is the law really didn't bring the confusion. The legalism— or the misapplication and misinterpretation of the law brought to confusion, which is what most people think of when they think of law. They think of the, this interpretation of all of these rules, all these things that you had to do. And, and see, none of those things of, of approaching the law, none of these things uh, brought to us what would make us feel valuable. It brought to us what would make us feel less than we really are to God, because the idea was I've got to do these things to be valuable to God rather than I am valuable to God. And because I'm valuable to God, he's teaching me how to do these things. You know, so, so it's, it's all about understanding the motive. You know, your interpretation base is always determined from what it, what is the motive that I whereby I'm applying this. So, you know, so Jesus shows up on the scene and, you know, we talked about this in previous podcasts, Every every rabbi out there had their yoke. Yeah, they had their their philosophy, and so they interpreted the commandments based on their philosophy of what they believe God intended. And you know, here's here's an interesting thing. People need, and I've, this is a warning that I've given people that one of these warnings that makes people mad. Every person you listen to that preaches a sermon, whether they tell you this or not, or whether they even understand it or not, they are trying to alter the way you see God so that you will see God the way they do.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody is.
2: Right. Now, the difference between us and many of those people is I tell people up front that I want to change the way they see God. But I tell people I want them to see God as Jesus presented God. Mm-hmm. Not, as I, not as I present him, but I want to point you to Jesus so Jesus becomes your source. He becomes your source of interpretation. He becomes your source of application. He becomes mm-hmm. your source of definitions. And, and, and so a, distru- or a deceitful concept is, I'm not going to tell you what I really believe, but I am going to try to persuade you to believe like I believe that 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 is that is the whole basis from which the occult works I'm not saying everybody does that is the occult no but we have to listen and realize everybody that we're listening to is trying to influence how we see God and they want Mm. us to see God like they do Mm-hmm. So to all the listeners, I'm just telling you And for yes. some of
1: those, they might be in love Like I listened yeah. to a podcast last night Of a preacher and I was like, man He he helped me to see God in a new way But yep. I felt very loved Like I didn't feel that I was judged Or that I was, right. uh, what was the other word? Controlled or earned Or anything like that But I did feel that his con- concept Of a certain scriptures and stuff I went, yep. Oh, that feels right for me That feels good, I don't feel any wrong motive
2: But there's a that. caveat here it doesn't matter if I'm trying to get you to see God as love. It doesn't matter if I'm trying to get you to see God in, in in any of the characteristics that are healthy. The question is, am I trying to get you to see God through Jesus? Am I trying to get you, yeah, you to
1: gotta see... Yeah, you've got to keep helping us here, because honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to get this, because this is the prescription, right? And I want to be able to take that, that, this the, Yeah, Because
2: the, you know, the, the prescription is... Take G- make Jesus your cornerstone and take him, you know, 20 times a day. <laughs> yeah. Take, yeah. Him in- take Take this prescription. Every time you think, every time you make a decision, uh, uh, you know, every time you pray, every time you talk to yourself, every time you talk to your spouse, take-, take a Jesus pill so that you will do whatever it is you're doing based on what Jesus presented love to be. Not based on What I present love to be, not based on what the world presents it. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, you just got pretty practical there. So tell me what kind of how can I do that in a really practical way. Okay, so I'm thinking, I'm making decisions, I'm with people. Uh, I wanna make Jesus my cornerstone five hundred times a day. Yeah. So what
2: every every time I breathe, I wanna I wanna breathe from the perspective. You're making this
1: more times a day all the time. If every time I breathe, it's now five hundred million times a day. Okay. Anywho, let's just and, and talk see, about. In
2: reality, this is what it means to make Jesus Lord.
1: Is to make him my cornerstone.
2: Yeah. It, well, yeah. And to make him my basis, first and foremost, for understanding God and relating to God and, you know, and interpreting what God has said.
1: So, can you help me, Jim? What question or what, how do I do that? Like, I want to. I have full on mm-hmm. desire. I want to make hit my cornerstone, mm. out of every decision, every every moment of, of my every breath. So, how am I asking myself a question all day? How do I do this?
2: Well, you know, when, anytime you first begin renewing your mind, you are it's like it's like learning to drive a car. You know, I remember one time I was trying. I, I had connection. I got reconnected with my dad. I had not seen him since I had been a child, and you know, and I was I was just a year or so away from getting my driver's license and um and so he he was gonna let me drive his car and it was an old clunker straight stick you know that you know just it didn't the clutch didn't work well you know it had all kinds of problems it was big and bulky it was probably it was probably you know like an old 19 you know 52 something you know what i mean just looked like a tank you know could right, you know? Right, right. You know, the average kid like my size at the time couldn't hardly see with the dashboard. Right, right. And so, the
1: steering wheel was about two feet. Wide. Oh
2: man, the steering wheel was humongous. You know, I mean, you, you, you're reaching way out here as far as you can reach, like you know. And so, you know, you get in this thing, and uh, you're you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna take off. So I got. You're thinking, I've got to give it a little gas. I've got to ease the clutch out. I've got to keep my eyes on the road. You, you know, you're thinking of every single Million move things. that you make. Yeah. Right. and and it's just tormenting because you're trying to regulate everything based on conscious thought well anything that you ever start doing you start that way anything that you ever start it's just like you know I had somebody tell me the other day they said you know I just went through your series on self-talk uh-huh. and, and and i have my you know I have made this determination I'm paying attention to what I say to myself right but yeah. well, see when you first start that, that's effort. Yeah. It, right. You always labor to enter into rest. You never just right. jump into rest. You never just say, "Oh, that's the truth." Mm, I'm there, because right. because you've got this way you've been doing things. Everything in you tries to go a different direction. So it's it's the same way when we first start any aspect of this journey. We're always consciously making decisions. We're pr- you know we made it. Well, we made a decision first to go this way, and then then we in that process we usually start going the way we're used to going we start applying what we have always applied and then we catch Mm ourselves, and then we make an adjustment and and so you spend a lot of time catching yourself and making adjustments but at some point in time this starts becoming second nature and so then you're not laboring to do it then it is natural it's very natural to do it and once you get something established in your heart it's, it's absolutely effortless to do it. It just flows out every time you make a decision. So let's he, he, here here's one. Uh, you know, let let's say that okay, in every situation I, I want to walk in love. So yes. and, and we'll take this. Let, let's say then that you have a conflict with someone, mm-hmm. and this that person is completely wrong in how they've approached you or how they have talked to you. So man. You're jacked up. Your feelings are hurt. You're angry. You know. You're thinking about it all the time. You're just. You're, you know. You know. You're just thinking, man. I should have said this. I sh- next time I'm going to say that. And you know, your heart's speeding up, and and so you're you're writing your own prescription yeah.
1: because you're <laughs> saying
2: this is the way I will solve this problem and get to the promise of of having peace in my life is by by shutting this other person down by controlling them. And, and, man, and can- you know
1: what else? And that, you know what else we do? Just to just, just make this yeah. super practical. Yeah. I actually use the same weapon that they used on me. So if someone out of nowhere hits me with judgment, yep. on a, on a place where I I was just like innocently there and wasn't asking for yep. this, but I felt super judged right on a button or, tr- or trigger that uh, mm-hmm. really affects me. I like. St- in, in my stunned mode, mm-hmm. I go, "Oh, are we doing that?" So I pick up the weapon yeah. and I start judging them. I went, yeah. "Wait a minute, why are you telling me this about me? Do you want to talk about you? Yeah. Like, are, are we going to go there? Like, you know what I mean?" And, and,
2: and, you, <laughs> and you know, and at it, some point in life, that was your prescription <laughs> for solving this problem.
1: Right? It was my way now, to it feel It didn't really solve the problem, though, did it? it? It solved nothing, but it felt made me feel equilibrium for because a minute. Of, oh. For one <laughs> yeah. minute.
2: And then it still didn't go away.
1: Exactly. You know, I, can't even, man,
2: I can't think I can't even think of how many times. It doesn't matter if it's conflict with Brenda, my kids, staff, enemies, friends, it doesn't matter. <laughs> where where you know you're you're in that state of hurt, taking advantage yeah. of and then, then you think, you know what? Okay, what would love look like in this situation? Yeah. Well, you know what love might look like is turning the other cheek in this situation, not mm-hmm. say not not saying they're right, not giving in to them, mm-hmm. but surrendering the need for vengeance, surrendering the need to get even. You know, you know. And I'm just kind of making this up as I'm going.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But and it's so, good because that that is showing love, and and, and I'm going to jump in yeah. again because I get these visuals. Sure. Of, yeah. Because I got it. If I have to do something difficult, if I have that that picture is worth a thousand words yeah. to me, and so um, I realized yesterday that I was uh, as I was walking, I was thinking about the uh, power of mercy. Like just I was worshiping God, I was praising God, and it was that song, "Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever." And I started just thinking about how powerful mercy is because we kind of think of mercy as a nice word. Oh, let's give. Mercy—it's a gentle, mm-hmm. nice, kind word, you know. But I started to see the flip side of mercy because if mercy actually triumphs, triumphs over judgment. Over judgment, I—I <laughs> I couldn't say triumphs very easy. But when it, when mercy actually triumphs over judgment,
2: did you mean to say triumph? Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yes. <laughs> yeah. When
1: mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> exactly what I was trying to go. say. And but just think of how powerful judgment is in this world. How much it is like tearing families apart constantly. Relationships are constantly fighting judgment. Judgment is a powerful thing, but mercy is more powerful. It actually triumphs yep. over judgment. So I started meditating on like, what does that look like? Where's my visual of how powerful mercy is? Because it's also new every morning. So this yep. is an incredible resource that I get to wake up to every day. I get to wake up to a new dose of mercy yep. every single day. It's new for me today, for what I've got to face today. And so I imagined, I've also I'll often imagined being under a waterfall Um, of friendship and favor. I always think friendship and favor, waterfall. And it's just big enough for me. It's like me, perfect temperature, waterfall. Yay, I'm in the Garden of Eden. You know, I get this beautiful thing. But then, the Mercy waterfall was like two hundred feet wide, like the Niagara Falls, mm. And it was like I got to be under this waterfall of powerful mercy, But there was room in there for me to invite everyone. Mm. So mm. I experimented. There's some people I don't necessarily like that much in this world. just right. because I just they're not my people. Like they're just ugh, I just don't really think about them very often. I actually, in my heart, invited these people in to the Mercy. Um, waterfall with me. Mm -hmm. And we were, it didn't take long before the playfulness kicked in. And we were all just having so much fun that my heart began to change towards these people Mm -hmm. that I'm not necessarily attracted to. And I don't know how that'll pan out in the real world, but I'm just saying there was nothing left in my heart that wanted to judge them. There was no judgment left. It was like the residue of judgment that I had against them was just like, let's just be in this waterfall together. Like, you love God. I love God. Let's just be in this mercy. Like mercy actually triumphs Mm -hmm. over judgment. Anyway, that was my little visual yesterday of
2: uh, what it means to show
1: love because we're talking about walking in love.
2: and, And I want everybody to keep in mind, we will, see, truth is absolute. The prescription is always based on truth, but because of who we are, we may kind of take that prescription, if you will, slightly different. Like, like, like you know, uh, uh, one guy might need to take this twice a day. One person might need to take it four times a day. Yeah, I'm just kind of using that as a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. See, for me, because of because of my background, my background, you know, growing up in violence and, and I was surrounded by violence most of my early life. So your safety response to anything was always to come back with force. And sometimes yeah, that course. force was emotional force. And you just rip somebody to pieces emotionally tear oh, them wow. down so wow. a lot of times that was physical force and somebody just come against you and man you just tear into them physically well just, you were
1: attacked with force and you attacked yeah. back with force. oh exactly i mean it just happened.
2: so for me my first step toward a toward walking in love is always for me and i'm not saying it'll be this way but my first step is always making the choice to be the peacemaker yeah and, that is, so and, good. And, you know, it's just like so, so. I always say, okay, how I want to walk in love, but before I can get to love, I got to get to peace. And that's just now, me. I'm not a saying natural other people.
1: Because, you know, Bob and I study a lot of personalities with, yep. with marriages and compatibility. And there are natural peacemakers in the world that just like, love peace. I'm not,
2: I'm not they, a natural one.
1: I didn't think so. I just wanted you to say <laughs> that out loud to people because yeah. some people think that they put they, that's where their resistance comes in. Well, that must be nice for you, but you must be natural at this. This is your part of your personality nope. behavior.
2: No, oh, my nat- my natural behavior would be force that would be my natural behavior but you know to- you would
1: be a bulldozer right do what a bulldozer <laughs>
2: <laughs> but to decide to bring peace to a thing then for me that always starts me on the pathway of say uh, then being able to come to the place and say okay how do i show value to this person to god and to me well I can't show value to me if I go to that person and pretend like they're right and I'm wrong even when that's not true.
1: Okay.
2: So so I'm not becoming the doormat. I'm, I'm not saying, okay, just wipe your feet on me and use me, and this, this, this will all be good. I've got boundaries, and I'm not, I'm not going to let you cross boundaries in a way that negatively affects my self-worth. But also, I can't go to that person and consider God precious if how I approach them in any way violates God's word, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go show love. So I'm going to go over and have, I'm going to go over and have sex with this with this person I'm not married to, you know? Right. No, right. no, because that violates God's word. So, so I'm not, I'm not expressing love for God. So so you're always looking for the way that says, how do I make this person feel valuable? And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as, uh, you know, I, I disagree with what you said. We'll have to work this out, uh, but uh, but I'm willing to consider. Or, or whatever, you know, what, whatever it takes.
1: But this, because, because my my less loving thing in my natural behavior would be just to never tell them what I really think. No. Because yeah. I want them to like me. So the most loving thing I can do with my relationship with Bob, because this is the most precious relationship to me, is that I I push right through every resistor that I have in me to tell him the truth. Because mm. th- my relationship with Bob is worth it. Right? Do you know what I'm saying? But, like, oh, yeah. What might be natural for one person is not natural for the others. But Jesus said to speak the truth in love. So I Absolutely. have to recognize that I'm not necessarily always telling the truth by hiding my opinion.
2: You know, I was in a, I was in a church back a few years ago, and uh, man, I you know, it doesn't take you but a minute when you're in, in dealing in ministry situations to feel like man, something is like out of whack here. Mm-hmm. And boy, you know, they were all about mercy and you know, I, I just couldn't you know inwardly every time they talk about mercy and love, I just want to puke. It was like there's so, mm-hmm. something disgusting about this. and I don't know why I feel this way. Yeah. Well, you know, as it turned out, one of the, I think the head of their board was having an affair and was shacked up with a woman. Their youth pastor was involved in, in immorality. And, and so, and there were, you know, I found out that there was just immorality was just rank inside their yeah. church. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was talking to the pastor and I said, you know, you really can't, have lead a congregation get get people whole when the leaders are living in this kind of compromise and you know before he before he let me finish what i was saying he said look you know what we're just walking in love whoa okay well see wait a minute how many times did jesus say you know uh, <sighs> i'm gonna heal you but go your way and sin no more lest less something worse happen to you i mean G- jesus did not See, see that's the person that's defining love based on their prescription of love, not God. So they're not honoring God. They're not showing value to God the way they're dealing with that problem. They're not even honoring that person because they're not showing value to that person in, in a godly way and they're not even showing value for themselves because they're having to give up uh, they're, they're having to give up their, their morals and ethics you know to, 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 to try to have peace because they're afraid of conflict. So, you know, but but, uh, this is is what people do. People say, see, here's the outcome I want. I want to walk in love. But again, so I'm going to define love the way I'm comfortable defining love. I'm going to come up with a prescription for this that has nothing to do with how God said to treat people. Mm -hmm. And the end is always more destruction. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm quiet because I'm convicted. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, even I know. I know. I'm feeling. I, I'm feeling very convicted because there's people in my life that are doing things that are hurtful to themselves, and out of my desire to create a atmosphere of love and mercy, I turn my other. I turn look the other way. Yeah. I'm just saying, and and and, and I and I sure. because I'm not. I don't know who I don't trust. Yeah. Do I not trust the process? Do I not trust the absolute of who God is, or do I? Am I fearful of rejection of those people? And you know something, fearful-
2: this doesn't mean that we get into everybody's stuff. It doesn't mean we just every time we see somebody doing something well, goofy, we go I get their I stuff. I
1: often feel that people, if they're not asking the question, you can just bring division to a relationship. Right? If you know, what I'm saying, I think there is a Holy Spirit-led balance yeah. here, like that He's not, He doesn't want us all putting on the police uniform and go make sure everybody. You know, because that's not the message I want to
2: convey. Jesus didn't walk down the street and every person he passed, he said, let me tell you what you need. Yeah. No, it was the people that came to him. Mm -hmm. And so particularly us as leaders, or we as leaders, uh, we're having people come to us asking for our help and wanting solutions to their problems. And once they invite us in... Now we can recognize that we can't help somebody, and we can kind of bow out. And there's a lot of times I will. There's there's people coming to me help, and I will just tell them straight up. I'll talk to them for a few minutes. And I'll see real quickly they are not interested in working God's plan. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I use I'll do it very kindly. I will say, you know, something really. I, I'm not, I'm not the person that can help you.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, and I'm I not pointing to somebody that can give them a, you know, some some degree of help. If they ask me why, I I, I tell them.
1: Because in that okay in this in this scenario for people that have asked me for help, I have come so far in speaking the truth in love. If someone's asking for help, I am more direct. Like Dr. Jim, you'd be so proud of me how direct I am. Like people actually have been scared of me, believe it or not, because I they they go, who, where did Audrey go? Like why are you being like this? But I just get they're asking me and I'm just saying, listen, if you do this, it will work. And you and there's there's parts of you that you're just knowing you're having a gift of knowledge or or something that you know that's not it's it, it's gonna turn if they don't and they're asking me for help. Right. But then, what do I do with all the people that are not asking me for help? Because if I, I don't want to be passive aggressive in my convictions over them, because they will feel well, that
2: when a person is unloading their problems on you, yeah, then you've got to define what's happening. Uh, that
1: I agree. What if they're not unloading their problems on you? You're getting nothing. You just see them living a lifestyle.
2: If. Uh, uh, there are a lot of variables there. It, okay, know, a lot, a lot of it has to do with the relationship. You know mm-hmm. what the what the relationship is, the level of trust that you have. Uh, mm-hmm. But in those situations, I never just volunteer the information. I'll okay. ask. I, I'll say, you know, something. I I, I, I I really I'm seeing something in your life that I think is bringing, probably already bringing a lot of destruction in your life. I don't know if you're open to talk about it. If you are. Okay, more that's than glad nice. to so so I, I, on some level I always you ask open for permission. sure
1: sure. And,
2: and if they don't want it and then if they say yes then I'm going to ease into it because remember it does no good you know you can't you can't talk to a person that's angry or uh, uh, or foolish because if you do where they laugh where they have peace uh, or or where they rage or where they laugh you don't have peace and so so then I gently begin to wade into the truth. And the moment I sense they're putting the brakes on, I, I very politely find a way to end that conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but again, you know, we're, we're talking about now just about the fact that the first functional aspect of Jesus being my cornerstone of how I'm going to relate to everything. The first functional aspect, which which you got to understand the whole core behind this, which we'll probably get into the next broadcast but the first functional aspect is I'm going to always walk in love, which means how I approach this will always express and promote and keep me in a sense of value and dignity and worth. It's going to express my value and worth for them as a person, and it's going to express my value and worth for God. And if those three things are not lined up, then somebody's going to lose.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that—that uh, that somebody may be that person because I'm not willing to tell them the truth. It may be me because I'm afraid to tell the truth and not not have boundaries. It may be my relationship with God because I don't because I don't honor God's standards and values and morals and ethics.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the invitation today is to just affirm to your very own heart that I'm building my house on the rock. Mm Yeah. See, I'm I'm establishing my ways to the cornerstone of Jesus. Yeah, that
1: feels right. Yeah. See,
0: I'm I'm for me, this is this is the invitation that's that's coming today. And when I take a look at the story in Matthew seven, Jesus, you know, uh, speaking of the parable of building the house upon the rock and the torrents, the storms, and the uh, they do come. Yeah. Yeah. But if you but if you build it upon the sand, you're going to experience great destruction and the the, the sand keep in mind the sand is iniquity in context
2: oh okay the sand is those who don't look at god's absolutes as being the the only truth i'm sorry go ahead i just want to toss no 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 No, that's very
0: good. good um because the storms of life they come to all of us yeah and, and the way that I've, I've looked at this story is like a day at the beach. When you go to the beach, you take your towel and you flip it out on the sand and you lay, lay down in it and you maneuver and you wiggle around a little bit. Make
1: sure your bum goes in deep. Yeah,
0: yeah, but you, the, you <laughs> the, the sand conforms to you. Yeah. But if you go out and you flip that that beach towel on a rock – all of a sudden you conform to yep. it. No matter how you wiggle or squirm, that rock is not moving. That's right. You right. see, and I want my life to conform
2: to, to the, the prescription, yeah.
0: to the way, to the truth, to I the life too. of Jesus. And so when when I when I build on the rock, I get to change. And that's really what this You get to you it, know, and that's this, a this, good, that's a great yeah, way to say it. This this whole yeah. this whole um series of lives live transformed is how will I choose to build my life on Christ Jesus? Yep. And and, and th- that is, you know, as you were asking earlier today, Audrey, you know, mm-hmm. when, how many times? All the time. Yeah. Every time. Yep. You know, I, I, until it becomes so very natural. And, and I thought, Jim, what you were saying today was very, very important. And that is Jesus is the way or the source by which we view God. Yep. And that is that is um, the very central piece that people are wanting to remove, yep. and they they want to see God their own way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm looking at time. You know, we've well, got a few moments. L- let here. me toss out one yeah. thing though that applies
2: to your illustration. Okay, that there's a, because when it when the Bible talks about Jesus being the rock, it says something yeah. almost uh, uh, identical to that illustration you just used. It says, yeah. This rock, if you fall on this rock, you'll be broken. In other words, mm-hmm. you'll yield to it. Yeah. But if it falls on you, it will crush It'll, you. Mm, It'll crush right. you. Yeah. And so everybody's always saying, Am I gonna Am I gonna conform to the rock or am I going to let the rock fall on me? Because of the truth, and it's not talking about in a judgmental mean way God's gonna get you, it's just saying yeah truth is absolute truth is universal and absolute whether you know it whether you don't know it when you violate it the consequences of that violation always falls on you and you just don't understand where it's coming from
1: and you know what i also believe is that every person whether they've ever been introduced to jesus or not in their heart they know oh yeah well the bible tells you
2: that the bible
1: i hadn't i had an incredible um, experience with someone last week who has never been introduced to Jesus an, and, and, to be honest, is not interested in Jesus mm-hmm. at all. Yep. And you can feel that pushback because pretty mm-hmm. much people know where I stand and who I believe in. So it just wasn't a topic. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm not going to—this is just not a, a, a topic. But this person um, heard that we do heart work with people, and I was you know, just, just describing some of the things that happened during heart work and, and how Jesus can really um, come into the facts of our story— and if we invite him, because there's no time and space with with God, He can come into that memory where we were damaged, and He can
0: bring truth, bring
1: truth into that moment that protects them and guards their heart from that extreme violation that hurt them in a way that needs to, and it, you know, to be where it was broken. Mm-hmm. And so I was just. It wasn't really in that context. I was doing it in a very easy, you know, palatable way for this person to hear it. This, this, it was a, it was a girl, and you know, in her, like a young woman, and um, she says, "Well, will you do it for? Will you do it with this thing with me?" I said, "Oh, yeah, sure." You know, so I tested her emotions, and and we got to the emotion of shame, and it got to the age of sixteen, and I said, "You know, can you tell me what? Can you do you know of anything offhand that might have caused shame?" When you were 16 and she says well i lost my virginity i said oh okay so anyway she allowed me to walk her through the um the, to get to the moment because this ended up that this guy used her he didn't love her or anything and but she said this won't really work because i don't believe in shame and i don't believe it's wrong to have sex before marriage i said okay no problem let's mm-hmm. just do it anyway see but this wasn't logically making sense because right. i didn't do anything it wrong it's
2: affecting me but I, but I don't believe that it affects me.
1: Right, exactly. So. Because why did it? <laughs> but why exactly did it right. say shame at age sixteen? Mm-hmm. So she doesn't believe in shame. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, no problem. Let's just do this anyway. Like if you want to, she goes, yeah, sure. Well, sure enough, she got to the moment where she was, you know, remembering driving away from that home, and she was feeling, shame. she was about to feel shame. I said, I'd like you to ask. Um, And then I, her eyes were closed. She was just, we'd already been like 10, 15 minutes in. She is bawling like a little baby. And because the presence of God was all mm. over her. And I said, listen, let's, this is the time now where we're going to invite, you know, we're going to... And I said, now I, in, in this point, I invite Jesus because he heals broken hearts. But I don't want to infringe on your current belief system. So, you know, and I hope I, you guys can think whatever you want about this. This is just what happened. Sure. And I said, I said, so you call on whatever you want to do, but you need protection in this moment because shame is about to influence your life that will affect your story. So she goes, okay. She was quiet for a long time. She goes, I think I'm going to call on strength. I said, okay. So she calls on strength to be there. Anyway, long story short, she, she puts on, she sees herself in this, that the Lord wants to give her, she doesn't know that's the Lord, but wants to replace where that shame garment, she says I think I want to call it dignity and she gave it a picture and everything else and so afterwards she tells me how did it say shame when I don't believe in shame and why was I emotional and why would this how, why would I feel shame when I know it's not wrong to have sex as long as you it's your choice where you're going to have sex before marriage all this stuff mm-hmm. but why did it she's basically saying why was my heart touched because she believed at the end she said I I believe I had shame, but I would never in a million years have told someone that I felt ashamed Mm. that I did that.
2: But that's the classic example of saying, I am going to ignore the one who created me. I'm going to ignore his prescription for how to have a great life. I'm going to ignore his warnings about how these things affect me. And even when they start affecting me this way, I'm going to pretend like that's still not true.
1: Right, because she wasn't going through a problem; she just wanted to do this for the heck of it, so to speak. So then, the next day, I'm I'm having a walk with the Lord, and I'm praying for her, and I'm saying, "Well, Lord, I want to pray for this, you know, for this girl, and that she can experience you." And and um and then I thought of the fact that, and I just heard Jesus speak to my heart, and He goes, "You know, Audrey, don't be feeling bad that she called me strength. She can call me whatever she wants, (laughs) but she, I do believe that she was introduced to Jesus. She knows where I am, and I know that a seed was planted." And I know that it was Jesus that stepped into her well, life. It, in and, and it's
2: the first step. It's just the, th- it's That's just the what first I'm trying step. to say. This yeah. was
1: like a first step of a million. Yeah. But I can't control the process of how Jesus wants to introduce himself to her. Because you yep. know she thinks about that. Sure. You know she, she is a life change because that was a long story. But I, I do believe that some listener really got helped by that. I really yep. do. Because I went some, you know, there are listeners that I went off topic. But you know what? Jesus wants to heal all of us of our shame, wherever that has, if that's for you, just go there with the Lord. But anyway, all that to say, um, the prescription is not always what you think you're going to be, but we can't reject, as you just said, you can't reject the fact that all of us know deep, deep down in our heart when something is wrong, because we're going back to that cornerstone. So whether you've been introduced or raised in this or anything else, your heart knows when you are not, you're violating the goodness and the rock solid truth of who Jesus is and what His mm-hmm. His His um, what is the word absolutes are yeah,
0: yeah. It, they've been written on all of our hearts yep. on all of our hearts and we know and um, Jesus really is the one that has come and will heal our broken hearted. Um, Jim, today's been very, very good. I think, I I believe for all of us. And today people are making a choice of what does it mean to walk in love? And it's not in in my own understanding, but how do I show value to the person, to God, and even to myself? And what does that really look like? And again, we're going to go back to Jesus. He is our cornerstone. So every measurement, every action, every choice, because Jesus has come to reveal the Father. Mm -hmm. He came to 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 um, show us the terms of the kingdom. Yeah. And he came to reveal the Father to us. What a what an awesome, awesome. And uh, you day. know,
1: Jim, you teaching us and, and helping us understand the the importance of meditation, heart meditation of what scriptures are has really changed this to become more my 24 seven of walking yeah. in love. Because and I think that the one I'd like to if you guys can agree with me, one that we'd like to have available for download is the I believe heart meditation. Mm, okay. I, because that one has, it's a 45 minute meditation that Jim has created um, that really, to me, is cornerstone type stuff. I mean, there is so much truth. I mean, good deal. You, mm-hmm. I mean, I just kind of threw that out there. If you guys can think of sure. something different, but that one really good. helped they me.
0: They can follow the link. Yeah, we'll make sure that we'll make that th- available. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, hey, I want to thank all of you for joining us today on the Live Transform series. Please share this with others. If you've missed a previous broadcast, you know, would you go back and listen? And today I want you to know how fully and completely loved by God you really are. Jesus is our cornerstone.
1: We'll see you next time.